This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Western Wall. How does one become many? How does one become many? Because, because before there was something, there was nothing, and that nothing automatically is one. Yeah, you can't have two nothings. Right? Can you have two nothings? Everyone believes before there was something, there was nothing. That's science, Judaism. Before there was something, there was nothing. We make a blessing. So, how does nothing, which is one, become something? Now, let me just explain again. Can you have two nothings? I'm asking you guys. Can you have two nothings? No. What if you multiply nothing by 30? What do you get? Nothing. Nothing. Now, you probably, the reason why I'm discussing this is because probably part of you is like, wait, if it's nothing, it's not one. But that's because your brain's thinking in numerology, in numerics. You understand? Your brain's thinking in numerics. You never thought of nothing as one. But in Judaism, it's really important that you understand there's another definition besides the numeric value one, like one cup. Yeah, there's, there's actual, there's an actual one nothing <laughs> it's one nothing because if that nothing's indivisible which it must be because it's nothing so it's got to be one and this is what is called hardcore monotheism hardcore monotheism is is the belief that god is one softcore monotheism is the belief in one god you understand that that softcore monotheism it comes from religion basically they probably got it from us Meaning they probably took from the hardcore monotheists and then like softened it into softcore monotheism. And, and, you know, because the people who created the religions of the world, they probably saw the world as, as real. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, it, it hurts when you land on it. So it must be real. So since it's real, and since we have this tradition that there's God, well... There could be many of them, but maybe we'd go with the being one of them. There's one. Just one of them. There's us and there's it. But in Judaism, we don't believe in that. Judaism believes that God is nothing. He's an absolute oneness made up of nothing. No thing. He's not made of thing. And that's not because we believe that. It's just because it's a fact that before there was something there was nothing and since nothing makes nothing right what does nothing make everybody nothing. what does nothing make nothing, nothing makes nothing and, but turns out now there's something well okay so that nothing must be a pretty interesting nothing must be a pretty amazing nothing there ain't been no nothing like that ever and that's why we call it God now if James with the I'm not even sure what color your hair is. It's blue. James with the blue hair. If you could create something for nothing, guess what we're going to start calling you? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> but it turns out that you can't do it. No one's ever been able to do it because you can't create something from nothing. Once you have nothing, you have nothing. And therefore, you have nothing to make something out of. And, uh, but yet, we're all coming from this nothing, which is really fascinating. You know, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. 
tell you something else fascinating about it that's pretty trippy is is that if we're coming from nothing think about this guys go go with me here if we're coming from nothing so so then when is that happening when is that happening that we're coming into being from nothing yeah, but, uh, but how can we explain this? So the answer is, we're always coming from nothing. Meaning this something that we're in right now is being strobed from nothing so fast that you can't even see it. And if it were to... Let's say God had to make a few adjustments on creation so he could actually shut it off for like what would have been in the earth maybe, you know, like a year or a thousand years or a million years. It wouldn't matter because we're just coming out of that out of that nothingness. So, so he can make all his adjustments, turn it back on. Would any of us have noticed? None of us would have noticed. Another interesting thought is that time doesn't exist. Will any time have elapsed from your birth to your death in the ultimate picture of something from nothing? There will be zero time elapse. No time whatsoever. Time is a, only based on perspective. You've never experienced time, ever. It has to be in perspective of something else. It has to be in relation to something. And then you can have time. But time, you've never experienced time, not even once. You've had zero experiences of time, which is really funny you believe in it. Like, you also believe in ghosts? I mean, you also believe in, uh, you know, in, in uh, you know, Martians and stuff? Like, what else do you believe in? Think about it. How many things do you believe in that you've never experienced? And here you've been living all your life thinking there was time. And yet you've never had one experience of it, not once. The only thing you've ever experienced is the experience you're having, which is now, and 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 Maybe it only happened once that something came from nothing. Oh, yeah? <laughs> okay, so it came from the nothing. What's perpetuating it? What would keep it going then? Meaning once you say that it's coming from the nothing, that's what generated it. Well, what do you think could have been generated within it that would keep it generating itself? Why, why would it generate itself? How could it generate itself? It came from nothing. Nothing becomes something. Or obviously it didn't become something, but it created something. And what could it possibly put in the something that would create more of it? That it would be self-perpetuating. It came from nothing. The source is nothing. So why would the source ever change from nothing and therefore be nothing, something from nothing at all times? Now, why is this fun? There's even another thing that's fun about it, is if this place came from the nothing, so that means this place came from this being that people like to call God, which is, um, I just want to mention that the, the word God is one of my favorite names of God. You know, in Judaism, we have a lot of names from God, a lot of names of God, uh, but we don't have like, we don't have a name of God that's the name of God. We only have uh, verbs 
they're all verbs kind of describing how God's interacting. So like the, the famous tetragrammaton, which is called the yud in the hay and the vav in the hay, is, is how God expands light into the world that ultimately morphs to matter through these gradations of parallel worlds. And, and that's the name yud and hay and vav and hay is the expander God. And then there's the shin, dalet, and yud God name. name. It's a name. It's a description, just like your name's a description, because you're like, you're Miriam, right? But you're not Miriam. You have a name, Miriam. If I put you in an MRI, we don't get Miriam on the screen, okay? Your essence isn't Miriam, although Miriam, our sages teach us that your parents had prophecy at your birth. They said the last three places that prophecy exists are in crazy people, in um, uh, children, tiny children, and that's why they can't talk, probably. And, um, and uh, when parents name their child. Because there's something about your name that's really important. And so you, and the, the Torah gives you the stories around your name. That, that's why it's important to name a kid a biblical story. Because it, it helps them hi, hi, find their way through their name and, and what it means exactly. And you'll find, generally, that your Hebrew name is either... Um, something that you go with or you fight. Like, for example, I meet people named Simcha sometimes. What does Simcha mean? It means joy or whatever, happy. So I've met very depressed people named Simcha. Yeah, my name's Good Day, you know. But I go with my name. I go with my name. I, I'm generally having a good day. I mean, you can think of you. This is a live feed every day. Those who watch me live every day, like... I mean, I obviously am not on all the time, but I'm not necessarily having a bad day. I mean, they name me Good Day. You know, I do have bad days, but rare enough that you could count them on probably one hand, two hands, maybe, throughout the year. Well, I have a bad day every week, which is Saturday night. Spiritual people get real dark feelings on Saturday night. Saturday night's like, it's a rough night. Sometimes people ask me to play a concert on Saturday night. And like, what would you charge for a concert Saturday night? I'm like, it's 6.50 US. And they're like, what if we can't afford that? I'm like, 5.50 US. And like, what if I can't afford that? And I'm like, 4.50 US. Like, okay, but what if 4.50 is above our budget? And I'm like, it's 3.50 US. And like, 350, we don't have. It's 250 US. And like, I, I'm, Rabbi, I'm embarrassed to tell you, but like, we don't even have 250. I'm like, it's 150 US. And they're like, Rabbi, there's no budget. And I'm like, I will pay you $100. That's my bottom offer, bottom line offer. I will pay you $100 to play a three hour concert to get rid of Saturday night. My final offer. I'll pay a hundred bucks with my band. Why is it, why do I have to pay a hundred bucks? I got to pay my drummer. Costs a hundred bucks to pay my drummer. <laughs> so let's just get it back together. Before uh, just the five second proof of God. 
Before there was something, there was nothing, and since nothing makes nothing, and now there's something, it must be nothing was God. Okay. Got that? Oh, you guys want to learn the five seconds? Let's have you guys learn it. Okay, everyone move your lips. Okay, I'll say it two more times. I'll say it three more times, and then, and then you got to move your lips. Ready? Before there was something, there was nothing, and since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be nothing was God. Before there was something, there was nothing, and since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be nothing was God. Before there was something, there was nothing, and since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be nothing was God. Okay, let's try that. Not fast. Together. Bef- we'll start. Before there was something, there was nothing. Go. Before there was something, there was nothing. Next line. And since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, try that. And since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, you're not moving your lips. It must, it, I know what I'm doing. It must be the nothing was God. Let's try it again. Before there was something, there was nothing. And since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, must be the nothing was God. You're, you're, you're deep. Yeah. <laughs> That's what would happen in the summer. Just kidding. I wouldn't do that. Maybe I could do it with What's that? Maybe I could say psychedelics. If you do psychedelics, I'm going to be about 100 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while, people ask me to sit for them. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'll sit for him. <laughs> no, you'd be fine. You'd be fine. Um, so let's just try it all together. Before there was something, there was nothing. And since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. Now, I say was God because we're talking about the origin of it all, but is God's much more accurate based on what we're talking about? Because it really is, that there is God making this world, and time doesn't exist. You're not walking through something called time. You're not. You understand? You're not. That's not happening. Because there's, and I'm being very emphatic, you are not walking through time. Because you, what are you? And what you are, yeah. Well, what you are is a consciousness. You're a consciousness. And where, but consciousness doesn't show up in an MRI either. They can't find it, it doesn't exist. The actual viewer called you doesn't exist. So, like, for example, in an MRI, they can stimulate all kinds of parts of your brain. Great, they, but you, they and they see it getting stimulated, and you're obviously fully aware of the stimulations because it might be music, or it might be, you know, ideas. Or it could be anything that they stimulate it with in the laboratory, but the you that's experiencing it, it is not in you. It's done. It's not a physical entity, and so the. And so our rabbis teach us, the Kabbalists teach us, that they teach us who you actually are. You ready for this? This is wild. I mean, I just got through saying who you actually are. What was that? Begins with a C, O, and consciousness. Your consciousness is who you are. Okay, that's your awareness of your awareness. So that consciousness, so the rabbis actually talk about what is your consciousness. And the answer is, is that you have this thing called a soul, and the soul has this amazing structure. And the structure of the soul works like this. You have the, the f- top level is called the yechida, and the word yechida means, means it's like from the word echad, one. And that's where all of us are one. Because we are all one. You realize that it's all one. 
Like you're look, you're locked onto my eyes, right? And if you got rid of just your body and my body, so then what would be left besides just the consciousness? I mean, we'd also be stuck in our narratives. Your story and my story would have been like totally different stories. But if we stripped our stories away, we'd just be one. Well, then there's also the personality. But if you stripped away the personality, we'd be one. Oh, but then there's our kochus nefesh, our strengths. You have certain strengths, I have certain strengths. But if we strip that away, all that's left is one. And that's what we are. And that's why when God says, love your neighbor as yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, ani Hashem. Love your neighbor as yourself, ani Hashem. Only in as much as you love yourself can you love anyone else. And then it says, ani Hashem, I am God. What does that mean, I am God? Not that you're God, or I'm God, but that God is in us. And, and it's really interesting that when you realize that God is in us, is that you don't really like people very much. You understand? You don't like people very much. You don't even like me. You came to my class and you don't like me. You don't like people. And the reason you don't like people is because you don't like yourself. That's what our sages are telling us. You know, the Torah is telling us that. It's chumish. <coughs> Just make a diuk. Make an inference. You can only love your neighbor in as much as you love yourself. You don't like people, you don't like you. Period. And why is that? What's the mechanics? It's very simple. Listen carefully. Mechanics are simple. When you meet somebody, you are either... And when you meet somebody, you know, you have to deal with people. And whether you know them or you know, when you meet somebody, if you're not, if you're not identified with your true conscious self, so instead you're identified with your narrative, which is how most people identify themselves. So then, when you meet somebody, you are automatically on a scale. Meaning, I met some of you for the first time ever today, and you have not been very warm, friendly, kind, loving. Your energies basically, no offense, stinks. Yeah? Your energy stinks. Now, you see, now, by the way, I don't care, like, at all, because I will bulldoze anyone's energy with love because love conquers all and so I don't care the only reason your energy stinks is because you're suffering and if you're suffering I care and want to help like I love you I love you so much you know because if you're if your energy stinks so bad that you're not like the warmest lovingest person in this room right now so then Rahman is like compassion compassion on you and because because what happens Whenever you meet a person or have to deal with anybody, whoever it is, from a father to a stranger, to a boss, to, a, to a, an interviewer, wherever you are, you're always on a scale. Automatically, you are knocked onto some scale of 1 to 10 every time. You're either smarter or you're dumber. You're either, you're either richer or poorer, thinner or fatter, better looking or worse looking. You're... you're um, you're holier or less holy. You're more observant or less observant. You understand, like how e- how easy would it have been for the Keep America Great guy's hat over there? Yeah. 
how easy would it have been for you to see me as more observant than you? As more observant in Torah than you? Be easy for you to see that. And you'd put your, then you're on a scale, less observant. More observant, less observant. But you, you have no idea what's going on with me. You don't know what I ate for dinner yesterday. You don't know where I was last Shabbos. You have no idea. And the scale doesn't matter. Because where you and I connect, you know, as two conscious beings, has nothing to do with all that. But when you live in your own narrative, then you're automatically scaled. When you're stuck in your own narratives, you will always be on some scale in relationship to others. You get that? But when you let go of your narrative and you go to truth as opposed to lies, meaning your narrative is a lie because think about what if you were born 100 yards over? You'd have a totally different narrative. Different parents, different sibling order. You know, it's like, have you been like squeezing on a white knuckled roller coaster ride that is the most random narrative ever? Which is the narrative you actually are vigilant to protect. But it's so random because what if you were born 100 feet over? We were born 100 miles over. What about 1,000 miles over? Totally different narrative. And that's what you'd be vigilant for. And how can you love anyone in that position? You can't. You can't love anyone. You must protect yourself from people. That no one should make you feel small. Small in any category, obviously. Lower on the, no, lower on the scale of any category. And that's why it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Ani Hashem. I am God. I, I, who's yourself? Yourself is consciousness. Where does consciousness come from? Well, it comes from where we're all totally united. Yechida. Then there's something called the Chaya, the living soul which is more pertaining to your ultimate like purpose in life. And then there's the soul called the neshama, which is your drive towards, towards you know, that's like the flame on the candle trying to like get off. Have you ever thought about how suicidal candles are? And the, the thing's pulling upwards, flickering away, like pulling off its body. The soul's like, I had a group of five Christians in the, at the Western Wall yesterday walk up to me. I don't know why. I guess I look like I'm vibrationally friendly. And they all walked up to me and they're like, can you just tell us why these people are bobbing up and down like that? And I said, well, actually, they, these people are holding still as far as they're concerned. Like, they're not bobbing. They don't really realize what they're doing right now. But they, but they, but, I mean, they probably started still. But things started moving. And the flames started flickering. Flame wants off. Flame wants to take off. You know, but if it takes off, man, it goes out. And so there was once um, some very, very super holy, there was a holy group of men, 10 men who got together a lot to pray with a, with a, a super big light named Rebbe Levi Yitzhak of Berdichev. And they were once praying, and they were praying super intensely, like full raptured trance. And they're in their full raptured trance. When, when in the middle of the prayers, Rebbe Levi Yitzhak, the Rebbe, leaves his spot, crosses the room, and slaps off like this, just ran across the room, just went like, and slaps off the tefillin, the boxes. He held onto the box, but he like, bam, like grabbed the box off the head of one of his travelers, of one of the trippers in there. 
because one more millisecond, he'd have been gone. He'd been gone. Now, Rebbe Yitzhak was probably even beyond there, because you know everything depends on what you can handle, and he was probably beyond his student. But it was it wasn't just students. I mean, these people were heavy duty guys, and he was going to go. And there's many stories of people who went publicly, publicly. There have been there have been 500 people around at a wedding, and they brought in you know one of these great rebbes, and the rebbe just went so intense into his bracha that he just his body just like draped to the floor. Can you imagine someone, one of the rabbis, dying at your chuppah? Wow, I wonder if that's why you have to have a wife and kids to be a Kabbalist. <laughs> you got to have something that's like, maybe I should back down a little. You know, like, like maybe I shouldn't keep going with this thing going on right now. You know what I mean? Like, I got a wife and kids at home, right? Because uh, once you get higher level Kabbalistic study, you're supposed to be married with children. I wonder if that's the anchor. You know? By the way, it's, it's actually something else, but this is the first time I thought of that. Like, Maybe you'd like pull back at that point. The reason it's supposed to be there is because um, single people don't realize that they'll um, that they unconsciously hold them back some, themselves back in spiritual practices because they, it's the higher you go up Jacob's ladder, the more th- things start getting uncertain, things start getting getting weird, and uh, so you'll unconsciously protect yourself like to for your st- your own personal stability. Uh, as you climb, and but when you're married with children, you know you're anchored in, and the more anchored in, the more kids, the more anchored you are in there. The, the higher you go, you know, you can just fly because you're you're tethered. The higher you go, but not too high. Not too high. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, not too high. Don't leave them alone. If you're single, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so then there's the neshama. Then there's something called the ruach. I don't have time to go deeper now. So then there's something called the nefesh. Now, each one of those, the echid of the chayim, the neshama, the ruach, and the nefesh, they all have levels. They're made of multiple levels. And those levels of nefesh comes down and down and down and down and down. And if you could see my fingernail, you probably can't see it back there, but you know that little white strip of the fingernail? <coughs> Meaning I have a nail, yeah, there's a little white strip at the top. So that little white strip is the USB cable interface to your neurons, to the cerebral cortex. That's the USB cables. And your, your, your cerebral cortex, it reports to it, which reports up and up and up and up and up and up. That's why you should be very careful what you think of. What you, where you put yourself, what you're willing to click on when you're on the internet. You know, you don't want to mess with that, that because even though it seems like it's just your cerebral cortex, well, it's reporting to that thin membrane. It's a super thin membrane that is called the conscious soul that interfaces with the brain. 
what's really interesting about it is that is that most people who you know don't know their knee from their elbow in spirituality think that they're a one-to-one body soul like I have a soul and I have a body I mean they've been listening to a lot of rock songs you know all my heart and all my soul and they, they, they're like they're thinking that soul and body are one-to-one you know like vodka Red Bull not one-to-one at all not a one-to-one not even a ratio there is no ratio between your body and your soul and the closest you could ever come to them even connecting is that thin membrane of this gigantic mushroom of the soul that that somehow interfaces at that thinnest membrane into the you know cognitive part of your brain But it, it is really funny that people are walking around, including you and me probably most of the time. We're all walking around as if this is us. We all think this is us. You know, when I, walk, when I go up Jaffa Street, you know, the train tracks, and there's, you know, a guy in a store, and he's trying on a new sweater, and he's like, he says to the salesman, he's like, is this me? I, you know what I do? I run into the store, and I grab him by the lapels of the sweater, and I say, it's not you, man. And, uh, and the, uh, anyway, but people are doing that. You know what that's like when you think you're you? You know what it's like when you think you're you? It'd be like, and I'm going to end with this thought. It'd be like, you know the bed of the Pacific Ocean? Listen carefully, Miriam, to this thought as you make your way to the door. It's a short thought. You know the bed, the bed of the Pacific Ocean, right? It's like tens of thousands of meters deep. Right in the middle of that bed is one molecule of H2O who says I have nothing to do with this ocean I'm, I'm independent not connected to this ocean that was the thought I'm not connected to this ocean this, this ocean has nothing to do with me I am hereby independent and I am declaring declaring uh, what is it called when a city like declares amnesty from or it's uh, in, independence from secede I'm seceding I'm seceding from the Atlantic Ocean, says that molecule of H2O. That's you. That's you thinking you are you when you walk around. Anyway, um, ladies and gentlemen, the highest vibrations to all of you. May whatever healing you need to do to get yourself in that high vibration may happen, may come your way. May God send you the right messengers at the right times that you can clean it all off and have powerful Ani Hashem vibrational energy. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.